0: So how are you doing down there?
1: Good, man. Just uh trying to rest up a little bit. I uh came pretty close to really fucking up my vocal cords, so I've been not doing too many interviews and trying to do as little talking as possible. But uh you know, we're we're good to do this one, so
0: Okay. Um well first off I'm gonna say I really really is an honor to talk to you because I'm a huge fan of all your works that you did, Demons and Wizards, Istarth and Sons of Liberty. So it's really an honor to talk to you and have this chance to sit down with you. Well, thanks, man. Um, because where first you, off, where let's are start. you from? I'm from, born in Charlotte, but I'm, I'm living in Raleigh right now, so North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Actually, I saw you guys, I guess, three weeks ago in D.C. for one of your tours. One of the four stops, right there.
1: Yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a, uh, uh, a a good show, man. I mean, it was it was my first show in that position ever. So you know, I <laughs> still have some bugs to work out, but it was it was cool. The crowd was great.
0: Yeah, do you find it hard to uh, play with Sons of Liberty and Ester at the same time at all? Or
1: uh, I mean, it's taxing on me. You know, it makes I'm definitely tired. at this point, But um, it's it's fun. You know, doing doing the actual doing the, the Sons of Liberty thing is very energizing and it's not hard to do the only thing that's hard is that for me is that i've never taken vocal lessons and i was during the rehearsals before the show i was singing so much that i i think i and well and actually even in the last year since i woke up to what's going on i've been talking a lot and a lot of people coming to me for advice and doing the radio show and you know all this stuff and i've been you know my voice has been under a lot more stress than normal and uh and I think because I don't have proper technique, I've been, you know, I've been singing wrong, and it's causing, it's causing damage in there. And so, you know, this, the goal is right now to get healed up and then just start taking some lessons. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be studying the Melissa Cross DVDs, and then when I get back to the States, I'm going to go to New York and spend a few days with her to, uh, to help me out because, you know, really it's only the physical... problem but I mean it, it was actually you know and after doing it by the time we got to New York and LA I was a lot more comfortable in that position you know it just felt weird not having a guitar um, but as far as doing both shows it's it's just tiring you know but it's it was great
0: yeah um but you you also sang on Storm Rider, if I'm if I can recall correctly is that right
1: Yes, but that's not really singing, and then I still have my shield, you know, I have my guitar, so it's like going out there, Um, I mean, Storm Riders just basically yelling, there isn't really a lot of melodic stuff going on, and it doesn't really matter so much if you trash your voice. It's a lot different than actually using a singing voice for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, um, or an hour, there's a big difference from that, just to do a song or two and some backup vocals, so... You know, that, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. And plus, you know, like I said, playing guitar and singing, or even not that's not even really singing, it's a different thing. But I didn't want to use a guitar in Sons of Liberty because it ties you to a mic stand, and that really limits, you know, what you can do. It limits you're stuck there during the songs, you're stuck there in between the songs. It makes it hard for you to be able to go back and get a drink, you know, I mean, I know a lot of guys do it, but because of the Sons of Liberty message and what this is all about, I wanted the freedom to be able to walk around and talk to the people and you know, not be tied to a mic stand.
0: Now, did Matt teach you anything at all about frontmanship at all, like, when you started doing, uh, I guess, your first live shows? No.
1: You know, but I, I I got some pointers from him after, you know, he told me, you know, some things that I should try to to think about even when I speak. You know, there's just like, to try to make it come from the, diagram, the diaphragm instead of from the throat. So, you know, he gave me a couple pointers after the first couple shows. Um, but, you know, it's really, he, Matt's taken a lot of vocal training. He's, he's done, you know, lessons, he's done lessons for years, ever since he's been at my Earth, and even before that. Um, he's done them on and off throughout the years. So it's really, it's not something for most people that comes natural. It's something that you have to learn.
0: Now, when did you actually start writing material for Sons of Liberty?
1: Um, That was uh, after, let's see, Um, I'm going to say probably 8th or May of 2009 would be, maybe even May or June, around that time frame. Um, right right after my vacation and, you know, after I had done probably a month or six weeks of hardcore studying and research, and was really about to have a meltdown. That's when I went over and wrote Our Dying Republic. So it was somewhere around that time.
0: Yeah, like you're, you're, the new CD that you did, it's, it's um I can't really describe it, it's, it has a very strong message to it. And I can tell that you are a firm, strong believer of that. And I really appreciate that you actually get out there and try to help get people to actually look up and research. I know, when I first heard it, I found out in the summer, it actually went to your website, watched um, the videos you had on there, did research and everything, so it it is working at all. It, it, people are actually going out there and doing research, so you are making some impact there, so.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's the thing, is we can only, there's a, there's a big liberty or patriot movement worldwide, it's not, it's, you know, patriotism has been redefined by some people, but I think if you stand for free humanity, then you're on the right side, and we're, you know, we're heading in a very sinister direction here. I mean, the whole world is, and so it's, it's one of those things that uh, there, there is a liberty movement worldwide, and there are people that are doing everything they can within their capacity to try to make a difference, and that's, that's all I'm doing. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, the music business is totally fucked right now. It's, in, it's collapsing just like everything else is, and so it's difficult to even sell records these days and for me that wasn't the motivation with Suns anyway. I figured I could reach more people by putting it out there for free, encouraging them to copy it and, you know, to like to launch it on Alex Jones show because he's got a very informed audience. Um, and you know, it it's uh it's one of those things that has it's really grown. I mean you can the reaction from the people at the four shows that we did was huge for Sons of Liberty. I mean a lot bigger than most support bands would, would uh, have. You know, I mean, I've, we've been doing this a long time. We've had a lot of support bands go out and you can see it in the merchandise sales too. So <laughs> it's one of those things that it, it seems to be a message that's resonating with the people that bothered to look into it, you know, but a lot of people are just too fucking dumbed down, disconnected and too lazy to do that. And that's, uh, that's one of the problems we're faced with. I mean, our society is crumbling and, you know, you, everybody's a lot more inclined to sit around and suck their thumbs and watch football instead of paying attention to what's going on in their country and the fact that we're being it's, it's being completely dismantled right right under our noses. Most people are completely unaware of it.
0: Now since this is, since Suns Liberty is like your is your band a good voice for you to speak out to people, are you gonna see any chance to maybe take that out with any other bands at all as a support act or
1: Yeah, we're we're definitely negotiating that our agents trying, you know we've got some offers from different tours and it's really, at this point, man, it is somewhat of a financial issue because, you know, Sons of Liberty is a brand-new, it's a baby band. I mean, it, it doesn't have a track record. It hasn't been around for 25 years and putting out, you know, records for 20 years and all that. So it's, it's brand-new. And in this climate where it is difficult to sell CDs, um, because most things are going online, most things are, you know, are being stolen, frankly, um, Everything is really kind of weird right now, and so you know we have to we have to be able to afford to go out on the road. That's that's the trick, you know. And without going into major debt, I mean, I spent forty thousand dollars making this record, and I gave it away for free, you know. And that's something that that uh, that I that was my decision to do, and I knew that you know that I may never see that money again, and that's fine. But I can't really like go out on a tour and say you know okay. Funds of Liberty gets paid $300 a show or $500 a show, but we have three or four thousand dollars a day in costs. Then, you know that that's going to be difficult, and I can't go into debt with the record company big time um, unless it's the right tour where we're really going to get exposure and really make an impact. Then it's worth doing it. So these are all things that have to be considered with the offers that come in, um, but it is something that, that we definitely want to do because it's important. You know, it's 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 really really I mean, obviously if you've done some research then you know um you know that this is like serious stuff and pretty much everything else pales in comparison because, you know, as much as I like to watch a football game too, it doesn't mean shit if everything if, if we go into where we're headed, you know, none of that stuff is gonna matter.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think I watched like um the Obama conspiracy and rest of it and like I actually felt like my heart like Skip beats, like, I was losing breath, like, trying to comprehend all this and just trying to figure out what I was actually watching, trying to comprehend it all. It was pretty frightening when I was watching it.
1: It it is, man. It's it's, um, it's disturbing the level of deception. But I'll tell you, for me, it's empowering. It made me come alive. I mean, I don't think two years ago, well, I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't have done Sons of Liberty two years ago, but I wouldn't have been able to go out on stage and do both things as energetically as I did. But it it brought me alive, man. But that's that's the way I've always been since I was a little kid, you know. I mean if there's I've always been the kind of guy that like if there was a bully that was picking on the little nerdy kid, I would go and fight the bully. And even if I'd get my ass kicked, I, I stood up. And that's that's what I've always done. And it's like something about injustice drives me to get motivated to do something. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day there is no hope, but you know I'm not going out on my fucking knees. That's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, are, are you, you planning on writing any more stuff, Sons of Liberty, in the future? Like at a future date, maybe getting some more album, like another album out there, maybe like three years, four years down the road at all? Or
1: yeah, definitely, definitely, it's not a it's not a one top thing, man. I mean, the, there's so much to write about and so much you know to that I'm inspired by and, and to expose and to try to. Um, get people inspired enough to do the research and to get involved, and you know, <clears throat> so that's there's definitely going to be more. I mean, that's without question. I don't know when right now. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on um, always, but you know, it just depends on how crazy things get. You know, if there's if things really get at, spiral out of control and we're you know uh, in dire straits, like I think we're going to be, if it happens sooner than later. Then there's going to be another Sons of Liberty record sooner than later. You know, it, it just—I'm watching the news every day very carefully and um, and paying attention to what's happening. And I—I I know the establishment is very afraid right now because of the awakening that's taking place all over the world. Um, but it also makes them that much more dangerous. And you know, they, they can sucker so many people in because it's—it's it's easy to when you have control of the networks and and everything. It's very easy to mold public opinion, because, I mean, we're taught from the time we're born that we have a free press and that the press is the watchdogs, when, in fact, they are the guard dogs for the establishment. They are not the watchdogs, and they give us little slivers of the truth, and because we, you know, we like these certain TV personalities, um, you know, we'll go around and parrot what they say as if it's reality, when, in fact, very seldomly is it reality, or maybe little slivers of it are reality, but it's not the big picture, and that's... That's how it's so easy to fool people, because everybody, you know, if you control the, the media, whether it's the print media or the, or the television media, you know, that's a huge amount of power. And what we have to look at this as, the Internet is like the printing press back in the colonial days. You know, before that, there was the town crier who was delivering the king's message, and it was news right from the king. Well, then the printing press was invented, and people started going out and getting their own stories and printing the stories and getting them to the people, and that was a huge thing. And that that now has been co opted by the globalists and by the global elite. And it has been actually for a very long time. And now we have the internet, which has tons of disinformation and misinformation, but it has tons of very valuable information as well. So you have to use your power of discernment. You have to know history. You have to be able to read through the bullshit. Once you read the globalists' own documents, their own books, their own writings, their own agenda, then you can actually start to see a pattern and, and if you study our history and what it was really about, then and, and you learn about the Federal Reserve System and the families and the manipulators that cease control the monetary supply in the United States, you start to put all this together. It's a puzzle. And you have to use your power of discernment to know whether you're on the right track or not. Now, I've always used my gut for pretty much everything. And when I don't listen to my gut, I always fuck up. That's the one thing I know. I mean I always make the mistakes. So you know, to me it is really a, uh, it's important for people to reconnect with their humanity and with their, the spirit that is the human being and to trust that instinct. You know, it, every, it, it's black is white, war is peace, slavery is freedom. You know, it's a double speak at every step. And we've got to recognize this, the people of this country and of the world, frankly, because it's not like it's only happening here. It's just what makes it so dangerous here is because of the power of our military. You know, it's, it's, we're repeating a lot of things that the Weimar Republic did before it collapsed and turned into full-blown Nazism, you know. And this could go many ways, but it ain't going to be good for humanity. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's really, really important for the people to wake up.
0: And hopefully they do wake up. But, I mean, we, you going to do so much before, just I guess, before you just start giving up hope on people for not even thinking about it. So hopefully your message will get out to a lot of people.
1: I hope so, and there's a lot of people getting the message out. You know, it's not certainly not just me. I'm a small part of this thing. And, but, you know, <clears throat> I, can, I can touch the people that there's a lot of people out there that know that I'm genuine. There's a lot of haters, too. I don't concern myself with them. It's like if I'm talking to somebody and they say, oh, that's all bullshit, okay, fine. You know, then I move on to the next person because it's, like Samuel Adams said, it does not take a majority. It takes an irate, tireless minority to bring about change. We have to be, there's, there has to be enough people. We have to use the tactics that they did. We have to use their tactics that they did. That these, these global elites, these uh, eugenicists, progressives, whatever you want to call them. We have to use it against them. And this isn't a party issue. I mean, there's, these eugenicists cross both party lines. They control both parties. You know, and you know, they're, they, wanna, they want like billions of people to die. You know, that's their in-game goal, is massive world population reduction, um, total control, one one global currency, one global government, one global bank. You know, that's their goal. It's been their goal for 100 years. They've just had to, like, you know, do all this through stealth because, you know, frankly, 100 years ago, the American people were a lot smarter, and and we were a lot more um, aware of what tyranny was. And-
0: Switch gears a little bit to Easter, um, so... I hear you're actually working on a new CD for Ice Earth.
1: Uh, we're in the early stages right now of just starting the writing process. We're a little bit behind schedule. Um, and, you know, it's you can't really rush the artistic process. And that's the thing is I, I'm very aware of how um, important the next Ice Earth album is. And, you know, it's got to be really strong and really badass, and I, I just don't want to rush it. And, you know, it's one of those things that, it didn't. We're, we're talking now, I mean, Matt's written some really cool lyrics and stuff, and, you know, I'm starting to formulate a plan in my mind, which is the way it always starts. So I would expect that, you know, middle to late next year, there's going to be a new Iced Earth CD, and then yeah, either before Christmas or shortly after the festivals of the Wicked DVD.
0: And you've been you working on that DVD for a long time now.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's a big project. There's three different shows there. There's a full documentary that's like an hour and a half long, you know, it's uh you know it's taken a lot of work there's other there's other factors involved in it. you know we first it was going to be on SPV and then they went bankrupt and you know i mean there's been a lot of there's been a lot of stuff that's happened that's caused it to be delayed but you know it's going to be
0: worth it once it comes out i understand like i mean i pretty much have all your albums i I've, I've, i feel kind of bad sense but i've actually bought like your reissues and your first pressing so i pretty much i think i have I think triple copies of almost all your albums so
1: there's no question it's, it's tough out there especially for a you know smaller mid-level band like Ice Earth it's always a challenge just to keep the thing alive and move, moving forward
0: but um so these Passport shows you did like they're sort of the greatest hits do you feel like the reception you got from these shows would help maybe y'all do a little bit more somewhat older songs when y'all do tour or
1: well I mean it's you know it's hard because when you have a 20 a year old catalog and all these records out you know you can't really um you just you can't the thing is we did all those tours in the past, and I realize there's a bunch of young people that are getting into the band now that didn't see those tours, um, but we did all that stuff and so we can we can try to split it up as much as possible, but you know I mean look man, we did a three hour show on the horror show tour three hours of uh, different periods of the band live, and people still complain that we didn't play this song or that song <laughs> like you know what I can't win you know we can we can do, so, um, but it's, I don't,
0: are you talking about in terms of set list in the future or in terms yeah, of... just set list in the future. The songwriting style? Set list in the future. I mean, I'm happy the way you guys are going right uh, now, the songwriting, it's great.
1: Well, you know, we always play stuff from the early records, uh, you know, we, we mix it in, in and out of the sets, but it also depends on what tour it is and what, you know, like on the Glorious Burden tour, we played, Gettysburg was our full encore and that was a 32 minute encore so you know it just depends on the, like the focus of a particular tour and what you know what the reaction is when the album comes out how people feel what, what they feel is their favorite parts to the record how much we think we need to cover and then we have to intersperse you know a 20 year history in there throughout that it's, it's really difficult but you know we'll, we'll just do whatever we do you know in the future I, I can't even say what it's going to be like the next time it's way too far away
0: now, of course, do you actually have do you p- have a personal favorite Eischer album that you really love like really I guess it was really close to you? Uh,
1: my favorite Eiscer album is probably going to have to be a toss-up between the glorious burden and uh, something wicked this way comes. I would say those are my two the two uh closest to, to my heart.
0: Now, I need to, I know, I know at least it moved me to tears when I saw, but does it still I guess move you emotionally when you have when you're all play on um, Watching Over me live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, every time. I know, I know Matt puts a lot of energy into that song, so it's it's really good, especially, like, it was touching for me on the DC show because my great-grandmother pretty much passed away one year ago, like, I think a day before that your show. So hearing that song live, just especially in this moment, it was it's pretty intense. Well,
1: um, that's cool, man. I mean, I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother, but I'm glad it was... Uh Powerful experience for you, you know. It's we. I've heard this same sort of a thing. You know, whether people have lost their family members in motorcycle accidents or car accidents, or, or some kind of disease or war or whatever, that a lot of people look to that song gives them a little hope and some strength and inspiration and stuff, and and that's uh, that's cool because that's what it's there for.
0: Now this is gonna be probably a shot in the dark, but I'm curious: Are you like, Is there any talk at all about New Demons and Wizards album at all?
1: Well, yeah, there there was, and there will be. I mean, Hansi and I are going to do that for the rest of our lives. There's no question. It's just it's a question of time. You know, that's the that's the big thing. And we were going to start writing it late in 2009. We, were, we had talked about starting to put it together, but after my awakening, there nothing was a bigger priority to me than Sons of Liberty at that point. You know, it was it was the it was my main focus. And you know, I know some Ice fans are upset with that and I'm like, Well sorry, get over it because that's just the way it is. You know, I mean I, I do I always trust my gut and whether they realize that or not, that is exactly what has guided Iced Earth through the last twenty five years and it was what will continue to. So it's my convictions, it's my leadership and my drive that that pushes the, the band forward all the time and um uh, you know
0: yeah, no I understand that completely i understand that and actually i've talked to a lot of fans we would all i especially on your um, 'cause I'm part of your the minions of the wicked the fan club, and we all like we always talk about like a dream like torby and for us it always cracks up as we would have uh iced earth blind guardian switching headlining then like and then demons and wizards playing as well too like all three bands on stage that's one of our dream tours on the site that we always crack up at we wish we'd love to see but I know that's that's probably a really hard thing to do
1: well the, it's not impossible that's for sure but the biggest challenge to that is getting Blind Guardian and I start schedules to line up there was a time when we were both releasing records um, for for probably like the first five years six years or something of our careers or at least since 1990 let's say where we would put out an album and then three months later and a blind starting album would come out. That happened for a few years. And it made us, you know, like we toured Europe twice together um, on the first album and on Stormrider because even though Stormrider, you know, we toured much later than the record came out with them, we still, you know, it was still able to work out. The, the biggest thing is scheduling that and, uh, you know, I mean, I would like to see something like that happen, too, and I think Hansi would as well, but there's just a lot of other people involved, and then you get into the politics of everything, and, and the agents and the management and all that stuff. And you know, uh, But it's not out of the question. I think there's a good chance it will happen, and I, I also think that when Hansi and I do a new Demons and Wizards record, that we are going to tour. You know, we're going to do a live album and a live DVD, and we're going to go out, because we haven't toured since the first album, and we only did Europe over there. And there's a big demand for it. There's a demand for it in North America. There's a demand for it in South America, in Europe. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's something that we really need to do and we want to do. But like I said, it's time. You know, Hansy and I, are we're, we're brothers till the end of our lives, man, and then beyond, you know. And so we'll do this for the rest of our lives, I'm sure. It's just a question of when. You know, when do we have time? It's always got to be fun, too. That's the commitment we made in the very beginning. Integrate Wizards can't turn into a business or a pressure situation like I and Blind Guardian are because then if we're doing it for the wrong reasons we're doing this because we're friends because we not only we were friends for many years before we discovered we could even write a song together and you know that, that's a really cool thing to, to realize that you know, cause, just because two people play instruments or they're, they're artists doesn't mean that they're going to be able to create together I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are really good players that can't write a song worth a crap, and we just discovered the whole thing by accident, and we were like, "Wow, this is really cool!" And we went over to the studio, and and it started. And so, you know, there's a there's a kinship there, but in order to keep it pure and to keep it, what Hansi and I said, this is what it's got to be. Um, you know, it has to be done on our terms when we have time and no no pressure.
0: Yeah, I can I can definitely see that because I mean, if I hear so many bands that just, when they write music, they just don't have fun with it anymore. They're just writing it just to write music and to get a sale out. So, I mean, I just, I really appreciate that you guys actually do want to do it because it's fun. Because you can definitely tell in the production when you hear somebody's having fun writing out, like your first album, I can just tell you're already having a blast writing that album because there's just so much energy and fun on their two albums. Well, that's cool. I'm glad
1: you can hear it. Some people can, some people can't, but uh, even in... For me and I, start, it's not about the quantity of albums; it's about the quality. So, you know, I would get these people: When do we get a new I sturts? When do we get a new I start? And, Well, when it comes, when it's ready, you know. And then there's always those that say, Oh, you know, it's just Schaefer rehashing the same riff again, and, and you know, which is total bullshit. And it's those are people that that have no style; they haven't been able to come up with their own style. You know, I mean, the same thing can be said about Iron Maiden and Blind Guardian and Metallica and blah blah blah, and Black Sabbath. When you when you have when you're fortunate enough to create a style. Then, and and that's and it's honest, and that's what you are. Then there's always going to be. That's what makes your band sound the way it does. You know, it doesn't mean that you're rehashing everything. You know, that, that's just those are really pent up, jealous, usually guitar players that haven't been able to do anything original in their whole life, so they get really angry about it. But the the real fans, the people that understand and that get it, you know, those are you know, like you, obviously, are. Those are the people that we really care that we care about. That you know, we cater to, you
0: know. Have you, have you seen the last of the, of Seth we Have you seen the last of him? Because like, in The Crucible when he left, he was pretty much just leaving humanity to their own devices. Have you seen the last of him or do you think we'll make another appearance later on some other records?
1: I don't have any plans to um, make make it, bring him back right now, you know, or bring the story back. I mean, there's a lot more to the story. There's a backstory that has never been tapped, you know, how did Why did humanity come to the planet Earth? You know, there's all kinds of... It goes on and on and on, you know. But I I have no desire to to do that at this point in time. That doesn't mean it'll never happen, but at this point it's pretty unlikely. So the next Ice Earth album is not going to have... I mean, I'm not in... I don't want to do a theme or a concept album. Um, It's just going to be a collection of really intense kick-ass songs. So, you know, the set's not going to have any... There's no reason to have it like cover or, you know, Anything, so no, it's that's that's pretty much done for right now. It doesn't mean it's done forever, but it's done for now.
0: I know you also spoke earlier about just record sales being down. Um, I, I've actually noticed a big uptrend in um, vinyl sales. Do you think maybe you guys ever put some albums out on vinyl at all?
1: Well, every Iced Earth album has been out on vinyl, um, but it's always you know been as a, as a special you know like it's, in Europe they've been buying vinyl through. I've been in business, you know, since I started iStirth. And so, you know, it's not, it, it's really, uh, I, I have noticed that somewhat in the States that people are starting to go back to it. Um, but whether the labels will really cater to that, you know, that's kind of up to them. That's not my decision. It, they, have, they have, I can tell you that Century Media and SPV have made vinyl versions of every iStirth record that's been out. And I'm I'm assuming they will continue to. And they they were talking about doing a vinyl for Sons of Liberty even, but you know I don't know if that's uh, if that's happened yet or if it's just something they're going to wait and see. I know if they do it, we have to get rid of the uh, the Pittsburgh D20 parts because that will the needle will just jump off of the vinyl trying to play that shit. So that's something we'll have to uh, we'll have to figure out. But and that's maybe one reason they haven't done it yet. We have to go back to the studio and do some editing and shit. But we'll
0: see. Now, did you do all your um, Sons of Liberty as well in, in the Morris Sound Studios down in Florida?
1: No, I did the uh, recording, the basic tracks by myself in my studio, um, and then we mixed it down in Florida.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I have noticed a lot. I, you, a lot of ice have been done in Morris Sound, so I guess he must done. You must, you must go really way back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I started recording there in. I guess, like 1985 or 86, 85 probably. So they're just like family to me. I mean, you know, Jim and Tom are some of my most favorite people in the world, and we have great chemistry, and Jim is the godfather of my daughter, and, you know, we'll always work together in some capacity, I'm sure, just because we're, we're like family, man, you know.
0: I really look forward to hearing the next Ice Earth album, next Demons and Wizards, next Sons of Liberty, and seeing you guys again live in concert, because you guys put on one hell of a show.
1: Well, good, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the next time you see Sons of Liberty, I think it's going to be even far more intense and a much more well-oiled machine, you know, because we got better each night that we went through it. It was the whole, you know... And the guys in Ice Earth were just giving me a hand with it. You know, they... Um, it's not not that it's really a band at this point it could turn into that at someday but it's not even sure that they'll be on the next tour but i can tell you um that, you know if they if, if the guys want to do it they can they can do it they just also know that there's there's not going to be much money involved and they have bills to pay so you know it's one of those things that we we have to feel it out as we go we have to see where these offers these uh, offers are like and we'll just take it from there
0: indeed that sounds like it's still going to be one hell of a show man
1: going to be, man. I mean, it's getting, you know, the, like I said, I, I stepped. at first it felt really weird going out on stage without a guitar, but that was the easy part, actually, and I don't have a problem talking to people and getting out and raging and getting people stirred up into a, to a, a frenzy. You know, that's easy. It's the, the physical part. I need to be careful, because if we're going to go out and do a 30 or 40 show tour, I've got to be able to last. <laughs> so I have to learn proper techniques to take care of my, uh, my voice and, and uh, and I'll do that. I mean, once I commit to something, I'm I'm in. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, being in crowds. How was your march on? How was the march on DC the next day? Because I know you were planning on doing that. How'd that go?
1: It was good. It was a little disappointing. Um, I mean, the the, note, the turnout was somewhat disappointing. But you know, you can thank Glenn Beck for that because he derailed it. He did exactly what Alex Jones told me he was going to do back when I was on Alex's show in December. We were talking off air, and he said that guy's a high, he's a high-tech Benedict Arnold, he's going to derail the Tea Party movement. That's what he's going to do. Watch. And he did it. I mean, he, long after the Unite in Action March was announced, he decided to come up with his 828 rally, which took a few hundred thousand reservations out of the hotels and stuff for people that were coming to the Unite in Action March and went to his event. And, you know, it, it's just, you know, it's, you've got to watch out for these people. They're sneaky. You know, and anybody that's making millions and millions of dollars a year from the network's especially something like, well, they're all bad. I mean, all of them are controlled, but Fox News is controlled by Rupert Murdoch. He's a Bilderberg guy. If you research Bilderberg, you'll you'll understand what that means. And, and the whole network there is to control the right side. And CNN and MSNBC are there to control the left side. And they keep this whole divide and conquer thing going on through the media. It's just one of the tools that they use. So that's, um, that, that's the thing. That, I mean, you know, I have to commend Glenn Beck. He's gotten some information out to people but the thing is the system knows that most people won't do the research most people will just listen to what's told to them on television and they'll go around and parrot that instead of picking up some books and digging deeper and and they the system knows this trust me so they'll put out certain certain kinds of uh, of information and then and people think they know what's going on but in reality they're getting a small a small version of the picture and uh so it, it does a great disservice. And anyway, I mean, but overall, it was, it was still good. You know, these people are in various stages of awakening. The thing that I didn't like about the, the March on D.C. was of the speakers. They were supposed to, they were, I was supposed to speak. I was asked, and I was vetted three different times, and they threw me under the bus. And I knew they were going to throw me under the bus because the things I talk about on my radio show and just wide open to anybody that's willing to listen sounds like crazy talk. And it also like totally nails what's actually going on. So I saw that the United Action thing was being infiltrated by establishment. I was on the advisory council. I would sit in on the meetings on Friday night over the internet and I could hear people I could tell that they were that it was being co opted. I mean it was clear just by some of the things that these new people that were coming on board were saying and who they were wanting to get to speak and all this. And uh so it, it did get somewhat uh Co-opted by Fox News and the neocons, and that that pissed me off. You know, we ended up we ended up leaving. You know, after like the second speaker, we just we went over to the Federal Reserve, and you know, we walked around with the White House and just did our own thing. But it was it was still really cool. There was there was you know we had I guess about twenty of us or something um, waving the Sons of Liberty flag, don't tread on me, the colonial flag, and you know we were. We, everywhere we went people were paying attention so hopefully they were looking at our flags they saw the web address and they started you know researching what we were saying but like I said man all the, a lot of these people would be they would be if they if we could get them to step out of the matrix and stop watching Fox News they would actually be on the side of a free humanity they would be they you know they just it's really difficult to get people to understand how how bad things really are, and how criminal our government really is, and what they've really been involved in. Because as much as these people are pissed off at the government, in many cases they still um, they still want to trust the government. They still want to believe that the government represents the people of the United States. of the people, well, the, most of the people, are actually good people. The majority are. They may be ignorant to what's going on. They may they may be. They are being deceived, but they're still good people in their hearts. They're good people, and, you know, the, it's, it's just they're in various stages of awakening, and we have to be patient, and we have to try to nudge them along and, and educate them. The Federal Reserve is the can of worms. It is the can of worms, and when, when people really study that institution and what it actually means and what it's done to our country and done to the world and done to society, it's – it all becomes pretty clear when you start to put it together, and that's that's why we have to It's not good to go right into the 9-11 controversy or any of that. Just focus on the Federal Reserve, the economy. Everybody feels that. And, you know, America, freedom, to fascism. Get people to watch that film because that's a really good film and it doesn't have anything to do with ideology.
0: Well, I think that's all I got for you, man. I really appreciate you sitting, sitting down and taking time out to talk to me, especially with your throat, so I really appreciate it.
1: You got it, brother. You take care of yourself, man.
0: You too, man. Keep the horns rising.